On uh, Friday, if you weren't here, some of you were, but if you weren't, uh, Friday we were, we just looked briefly in Isaiah at the, the servant king. And we, we got a glimpse, as Isaiah did in chapter 6, at the, the glorious holy place of, of the throne of God where, uh, where Jesus came from. And the servant who died and suffered, as we read this morning in chapter 52 and into 53. But that was on Friday and today is Sunday and the, the grave is empty, isn't it, this morning? Death is powerless and love is one because Jesus is alive. What a, what a special day and a special time to be able to look at God's word and, and to, to think about the things of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of the, from the dead is, is the cornerstone or is one of the foundational truths of the Christian faith. Uh, it's mentioned over a hundred times in the New Testament and, and it is unique to the, to the Christian faith. If there was no resurrection of Jesus Christ, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then really what, why are we here? What's the point? What do we really believe? What difference do we have against any other religion? When the apostles found it necessary to replace Judas... One of the key criteria was that they needed to find one who was with them, who would be a witness to the resurrection. In Peter's uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost, he, he spoke and preached about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, you and the wicked men, you killed Jesus, you nailed him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And when the Jews caught Paul in the temple in Acts 26, They took him to King Agrippa and Paul's message was all about the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is everything to Christianity. The crucifixion loses its meaning without the resurrection. The life of Jesus is pointless without the resurrection. Without the resurrection we're just talking about the the death of a noble martyr. Without the resurrection, we're talking about a madman, perhaps, who's been murdered. But we know Jesus is alive, that the resurrection of Christ means that we're talking about the redeeming, gracious, merciful Son of God. It wasn't the teaching that was the beginning of the New Testament church. It wasn't his miracles And it wasn't even his death. At his death, the disciples of Jesus Christ were scattered. But in his resurrection, he regathered his disciples, his followers. And in his resurrection was the beginning of the church. And as it is 2,000 years later this morning, all over the world, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's bringing to himself those who were lost. The theology of the, the belief of the resurrection of the body was skewed by the, the church in Corinth. They weren't denying the resurrection of Jesus, but they were denying the resurrection of the body, the physical body of believers. And what Paul is insisting upon here is that if a man denies the resurrection of the physical body, then he's denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to say or believe that you believe in one but not the other 
it can't be, it can't work like that. You're emptying the truth of the Christian faith and the truth of the Christian message and the reality of the Christian life of what's to come and why we live. And we're going to look at six things that Paul brings out, uh, the six promises I've said of the resurrection or the six truths of the resurrection. And, and Paul states these, he uses this negative language to emphasise his point. And he starts off there in verse uh, 14, and we're going to look mainly 14 to 20 there. If Christ has not been raised, and he goes on to list these six uh, negative things that would be true of us, these that, uh, that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, he says, if Christ wasn't raised, our preaching is useless. Your faith is useless. We are found to be false witnesses about God. You are still in your sins. If Christ wasn't raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And we are to be pitied more than all men. This morning we need to see what God has really done for us in the resurrection of Jesus. When we take what Paul has said, these negative language, and we turn them into positives because Jesus is alive, and that's his point, he emphasised it in verse 20. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. There is a real pattern that Paul lays out as the experience of one who comes to believe in Jesus as his Saviour and Lord. And so we're going to look at those promises this morning, turn that language a little bit around because Jesus is alive, because he is risen, and look at these promises of the resurrection from 1 Corinthians 15. And I've changed the order a little bit around, but you'll see that and hopefully it makes sense as we go. The first one is that we are forgiven of our sins. From verse 17, instead of negatively saying that we are still in our sins, we can positively say because of the resurrection that we are forgiven of our sins. And I put this first because it is the basic need of the human heart. Because we are all sinners. And if God holds our sin against us, then there is no hope of anything else from God. If God holds our sin against us, then the foundation for every other blessing, sorry, the possibility or chance of any other blessing from God is not possible. Everything hangs on forgiveness. If we aren't forgiven, we won't know peace with God. If we aren't forgiven, we won't know the blessings from God. If we aren't forgiven, we won't know what life by faith, what a powerful change God can make in us. And how is the resurrection then connected to our forgiveness? We often the mindset and, and what we, we speak is the, the death of Christ that pays the price for our sins and we're forgiven. And it's absolutely true. But the, there is a connection that the resurrection is, is all part of that. In Romans 4.25, it says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
uh, justification, uh, being made right, has always come by faith. There's plenty of scripture to talk about that. Romans 3.28, Romans 5.1, Hebrews 11. You can look through that passage on faith. The list goes on. We're justified by faith. We're made right in the eyes of God by faith. But faith in what? Faith just in the death of Jesus? Absolutely not. Faith that Jesus not only died for our sins, but that he was raised to life. If you don't have faith that Jesus is alive, then your faith is useless. If you think Jesus is dead, then death has power over you. Death has no power over Jesus and death has no sting for us who belong to him. Because to die from this life is to be in the very presence of our God. I don't know everything about everyone here but I can make a general statement to cover us all and that is that we are all born physically separated. We're physically born but spiritually separated from God. Every single one of us. And every one of us that means are in need of forgiveness of our sins from God, to be made right with him, to be justified And Paul says that because Christ rose from the dead, we are no longer in our sins. There is a way to be forgiven. Believing by faith that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins and that God rose him from the dead and by faith we have a way to be saved. The second point he makes is our faith is useless if Jesus isn't resurrected from the dead. But this morning we have a promise because Jesus is alive that our faith is well founded. Because Jesus is someone we can absolutely trust. Uh, We probably all, and I'm generalising again, but I think we can say that every human has that deep desire to know someone or be with someone who they can absolutely trust. Someone who they can rely on or depend upon. Someone who will always be there who won't let them down. And I think we want that because we were made for it. God put man and woman in the Garden of Eden to glorify him. And they did that by by having them trust him for everything that they needed. And even with sin, I don't think that need has ever changed. I think every single one of us are looking for that. We want that in our husband or a wife. We want that with our children, with our parents. And of course, there are some that seem to have nobody to trust. There are people who are blessed with beautiful families and friends but there are those who have seem to have nobody. But Paul's point here is that our faith is useless if it's founded in a person who is dead. A person who is dead has no power to do anything for us. But Jesus is alive, he is risen. 
And the death of Jesus proves his love for us and his resurrection proves his power, his power over every aspect of our life. There is someone you can count on. No matter what life is throwing at you, there is someone you can rely on. And it might not be, you might not have anyone else, but there's always Jesus. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Once you come to a point in your life where you believe by faith in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and your Lord, we are called to live a life by faith allowing Jesus control in our thoughts, in our life, in the decisions that we make, that it would glorify him. And that is not possible if he's dead. But this morning we're grateful that he's risen, aren't we? Thirdly, we preach the truth. In verse 15... Yeah, sorry, in verse 15. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. If we have testified about God, that he raised Christ from the dead. If Jesus is dead, then the apostles and us are false witnesses about the work of God. But we can positively say this morning that Jesus is alive. And so what we preach from the word of God is the truth. What the apostles brought to the early church was the truth. You don't hear it said very often that there is an absolute truth. Something that is true all the time, everywhere, whether we like it or not. But again, I think there's a deep need, there is a deep desire for truth in society that we live in. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then he rose from the dead to back his claims. Jesus has every right to tell us what is absolutely true because through the resurrection, God proved Jesus to be the truth. People always want to argue and debate about whether the Bible is true or not. Um, But I believe every single word in this book is from God and he has proven through the resurrection that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth and that he is the life. We can confidently and boldly take this book and read it and study it and preach it And that's what we do here and we preach the truth because we know that God is the truth and that his word is truth. And we can speak about life, we can speak about morality, we can speak about future events, we can speak about practical living from this book because it's the truth. And we know that because of the resurrection.
The fourth point, the fourth promise, the fourth thing we want to look at is preaching with a purpose. If Jesus is dead, then what's the point? What's the point of preaching? What's the point of looking to this book we call the Bible, looking for inspiration? Our preaching, it says, would be useless. But Jesus is alive. And Jesus commissioned in Matthew 28, he teached his, to, he told the disciples to go out, make disciples and teach them and teach them everything he commanded. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We take that this morning. Paul says in the beginning of Romans, which is Paul's uh, explanation and message of the gospel. He outlays in Romans the, the good news. And at the very beginning he says, Jesus, who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And Paul goes on to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes in it. Because in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. And the good news of Jesus Christ is powerful because of his resurrection and his resurrection displays his deity, that Jesus is God. The good news is powerful because it is the way that we are made right by God, the way we are made right with God, by believing by faith that Jesus died for our sins and that he was raised from the dead. The good news is powerful because Jesus promises to come into our lives, to change the way that we think, to change the way that we behave to change the way that we treat others. He promises to transform us, change us from who we were to be a new creation in him. That our lives would be a statement of the power of Jesus. Something that's not possible if he's dead. But Jesus is alive. promises to come into our lives and give us joy in trials give us peace when life is so difficult Galatians 5 says since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit that the character or the nature or the the fruit of the spirit would be true of our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And these things aren't something for you to achieve but to surrender your life to God and allow him to show these traits in your life. Early in the morning when I travelled to work, uh, I'd be lying if I said every single day, but I try most days to to come to God and, and use that time to say, you know, Lord, today I give you this day. Um, I give you today to take control of me and to use me in a way that I wouldn't be able to do myself. 
take the way that I think and the way that I talk and the way that I behave to be used by you to show who you are to those around me and to make me aware of when my selfishness and pride is stepping in and I've been reading in the book Lead Like Jesus my ego edging God out we do that in many different ways I do that in many different ways and I know in my life that I've been able to love people I've been able to forgive people and I've been able to change behaviours, I've been able to change the way that I think and talk to people, not because I'm special or amazing, but because the Holy Spirit is in me and Jesus has changed me. And that is only possible because Jesus is alive and he's alive in me. Without Jesus changing me, my life, I can guarantee you, would be dramatically different than what it is today. And I can tell you, I am, and you can ask Rachel, far, far from perfect. But perfection is coming. And that's going to last forever. Perfection is coming when we go and spend eternity with Jesus. But for now, I'm settling with God powerfully changing the person that I am. This has happened in my life and I'm sure it has happened in a lot of your lives. And if it hasn't happened in your life, it can today. But only because people for thousands of years have preached with a purpose and if Jesus was dead there is no purpose but because of the resurrection we have a purpose to preach the truth that Jesus is alive that he has made a way that we can be made right with God and no forgiveness of our sins and that we can be powerfully transformed and changed not to be perfect but to be used by God to display his love and his character to others. Which leads us to the fifth promise, the fifth point of the promise of the resurrection, that we are to be envied. I I settled on that, but really looking at the point of attracting, drawing people to Jesus because of the work and the transformation, the powerful change he can make in us. Verse 19 says that if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If Christ isn't raised from the dead and we're going around trying to live a life of sacrifice to to a a Jesus who is dead, then what's everyone going to think about us? Well, what a waste. following his commands is a great delusion. People would say you're living a useless, pointless life for someone who is dead. But the resurrection of Jesus means that 
He is alive and he reigns as our king. All our obedience, all our love and sacrifice that we give is not to be pitied by others but is to be seen by others and to draw people to Jesus. In every one of us, there is a longing and a desire, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, I think, that our lives would count for something, that we don't just get to the end of our life and think, what a waste. We actually want something useful to come out of the way that we live or what we're doing with our lives. Paul knows this and at the end of chapter 15 on this chapter on resurrection he finishes in verse 58 and says let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain not in vain Jesus is risen and everything we do is in his name Everything we do is in his strength and his, in, in his power and for his glory. It's not in vain. What we do for Jesus is significant because he's alive, he's not dead. What we do for him is eternal. And I finish with this final point. That those who have fallen asleep are alive. It might sound like an oxymoron to talk in those terms but hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about. In verse 14 he says, If Jesus Christ has not raised from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But Jesus is alive and we don't come to an end of a full, purposeful meaningful life in Christ just to be lost at the end of it. Those who have died in faith have not perished and disappeared forever. The Bible is very clear that we'll live forever in the presence of our Creator for eternity. And when you see the word sleep, it, it, it refers to the physical body never the soul. And there is the promise of our soul, although the physical body will be in the ground or wherever it is on on earth, that our soul instantly is with the Lord for those who belong to him. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and present with the Lord. Philippians 1.20-23, it says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is to gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And so for our physical bodies, there will be a resurrection at the return of Christ and our bodies, our physical bodies will be reunited with our souls and we will be made new. In 42 to 44 in chapter 15, it says our resurrected bodies will be imperishable. They'll be immortal, glorious, spiritual and powerful. 
2 Corinthians 4 and 14 says, We know that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. And the, the last reading, if you, if you can just hold on and listen to these words, very important in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are still left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we'll, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Uh, you know, we could spend a long time on that passage, but I just brought that out this morning because I want to tell you there's no empty end to this life that we find fulfilment and purpose in Jesus Christ. There is no black hole or lost cause. Our soul goes to the Lord when our physical body sleeps, but the day is coming when Jesus returns and there is going to be a resurrection of the physical body. And we will be reunited with our soul and transformed into an immortal, powerful, glorious body that will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. This morning there is no greater news than that Jesus is alive. There is no greater news that God raised Jesus from the dead in order that we can have a way to be made right before God to know forgiveness, to have a relationship that is not only going to impact on the way that you live now and be changed and transformed, but a, a relationship that is for eternity. And all these things hinge on the truth that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and is alive. The grave is empty, death is powerless and love has won. Lord and God, thank you that Jesus did go to the cross in obedience. But this morning we're reminded that that tomb is empty and death has no sting because to be away from this place is to be in your very presence. We look forward to that time, the day that you return to take us home. Let that spur us on to live godly lives. Bless the team that are travelling today to Port Augusta, Lord. Keep them safe. Encourage them as they encourage your people over there and the community. And bless us as we leave this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.